and this is the Meta Bros, our first time podcasting. This is the podcast about magic online, modern and standard, and hopefully when a meta actually exists in Arena, we'll talk about that too. And I'm Will, with my co-host Fred. That's me, right here. And we've been playing magic for a while now. I've been playing since Theros, and Fred, you've been playing since... I've been playing since Ice Age. <laughs> Whoa, okay, you've got a lot of experience. I've been playing a long time. And so what we're going to do is we hope to be able to talk about the meta for all of Magic Online, preparing you for your PTQs and tournaments um, like the mocks online each weekend. And hopefully we can uh, help you get there. And of course, we're in an exciting time right now with Ravnica just coming out. And so we're going to start with Modern. Fred, what have you been working on in Modern? Modern... It is a beautiful format. There is so much going on. There's literally 50 decks you could play. All of them have a possibility of winning a tournament. Um, the best deck that I'm considering right now is I'm considering Black Green Rock or a Black Green X variant. Either a Jun variant or Black Green Rock just by itself. Now you've been playing that for a while. I've been playing a lot of Tron and it seems like every tournament I play Tron in, you play Black Green Rock. I do play Black Green Rock quite a bit. I've been playing this archetype a long time. I've been playing a lot of Liliana the Veil. And so, of course, everybody's been talking about Assassin's Trophy and how it can, well, murder an Urza's tower. So That's right. <laughs> are you, is the hype real? Do you like that card a lot? The hype is definitely real. This card is absolutely absurd. There is no reason to run less than four. If you're not running four, please read. Wow. An instant four of in modern. You heard it here, guys. Um, what do you take out, though? Because aren't the slots kind of tight in Jund and Black-Green? Yeah, Assassin's Trophy is real. Like, you need to play four copies. If you're playing any Black-Green X deck, you need to put four copies of this card in the deck. It is absolutely absurd. The hype is definitely real. Okay, so what makes it so good in Modern? Well, the fact that the combination of the fact that people are not playing a lot of basic lands, and even when they are you're still getting that Path to Exile effect, but you're getting it for <laughs> any card. So it doesn't really matter what permanent it is. It's Jace, it's Urzatron, it's Blood Moon, it's, you know, it's, it's literally everything you need. And not only that, but if you're playing the red version or any type of red splash, you're playing Blood Right Elf. So even when you have, uh, when there's Blood Moon on the table, you could possibly hit it off of the Blood Right Elf, which, makes, which just unlocks your mana. So, I mean, if there's so many ways you can play that card to make it aggressively powerful for you in the black green deck okay um and in that case it sounds like you're leaning a little bit more towards blood braid decks than your traditional black green i am currently yes all right and and the reason the reason for that is is more because the black green decks when we were trying to run stuff like dark confident it just wasn't working well and the black green deck doesn't work it's just not it's a little too slow. Against the blue-white decks, you just don't have a big enough clock because you're not playing a 2-1 for 2. And the blue-white deck will just outrace you. They have too many they have too many Path to Exile effects. They have too many sweepers. There's just not a big enough clock. So the, blue, the, the Jun decks, they have more of a aggressive stint. They have Lightning Bolt. They have a 3-2 with Haste. You know, like those things are just a little bit faster than playing a Tassiger on turn 3 or playing a Tireless Tracker on turn 4. Okay. But... As a blue-white player myself, I happen to know that maybe one of the keys to 
our potential success against a Assassin's Trophy format is Ancestral Visions. <laughs> Ancestral Visions is not going to change at all from being complete house against any black-green variant. When you so turn what you're one saying ancestral... is I can now... So now I can go from playing one, maybe two copies to maybe three or four when there's more mid-range going around? I would definitely be playing three copies if it wasn't... <laughs> if, if I was a blue-white player, I would play three copies of Ancestral Vision. That's what I like to hear. I love the crap out of that card. Um, it's a very very strong card, and when you have it on turn one, you can't get it you get it underneath the thought seas, and it's just you know, you can't stop the top deck and when you top deck <laughs> the ancestral, you just the game's just over. And to all you Tron players out there, I'm a Tron player at heart as well. And I want you to know that the world's not over. Uh Green Tron, maybe. Because I feel like that's more of a glass cannon deck. But so far, I've been having a little bit more success with Mono Blue Tron because if they Assassin's Trophy you off Tron, you get another island, and that's just as good. So I wouldn't be so worried. I would assume that having the extra island in that deck is just even better than having the extra force in the island, but I'm not a Tron player. I don't, <laughs> I don't play it as much. <laughs> I probably should, but you know, the deck's just really powerful. It's powerful, but it's not everyone's cup of tea, and there's a lot of hate for it not as in <laughs> cards that people play but just people hate it <laughs> yeah i would i would definitely agree with that statement <laughs> um okay so what we want to do for this podcast and for all podcasts in our lovely uh duo going forward is we want to let you guys know what we would play in a competitive league online right now um as we're taping this podcast for each of modern and standard so, uh, Fred, for Modern, what are you on? I'm definitely on the Jund variant. Um, the, the, all the numbers kind of they kind of flop back and forth per week based on what you particularly like with the black-green cards. The only thing I'm 100% sure on is I'm playing a four Assassin's Trophy. I'm playing four Lightning Bolt. I'm playing two Colloids Command. I'm playing at least two Liliana the Veil. One Liliana the Last Hope in the main. Only three Dark Confident and one Tireless Tracker in the 75 somewhere. So those are my those are my guarantees. Oh, and the Thoughtseize package. So your Thoughtseize Inquisition package is still going to be there. And what's so. this three Dark Confidant thing? Is this is this common in Jund and I just don't know about it? It is not common in Jund. Normally you play four, but I just don't see the need to have it when there's so many cards that cost three. Burn's still a big player in the format. You don't want to play Dark Confident in that many copies. Also, the second one's basically dead when you're... I mean, if it lives, you're fine. You don't need a second one. It's going to win you the game either way. Interesting. Okay. And then, for me, I'm on the awesome blue-white. I think that it's still great. I haven't played it with Assassin's Trophy in the format yet, but I ran a league right before Assassin's Trophy came out, did pretty well with it, and I love playing Ancestral Vision, so I think upping that number because you'll run into more mid-range now that Assassin's Trophy is out, at least for the mm -hmm. first couple of weeks. I think that blue-white might be a real strong counter to that, even though, I mean, we deal with it in standard, right? You get Vraska's Contempted on your Teferi, and you're all right because you plussed it. So even, even with it being destroyed, you've still got an extra card. The same thing applies to modern, and you'll have another totally. land in that situation. Right, and you're getting, and in modern, you're getting an untapped land. So it's even better than standard. <laughs> ah, of course. <laughs> 
that's perfect for my logic knot or <laughs> or a cryptic <laughs> command that I couldn't cast before you assassins trophied me. Absolutely. I mean, I guess another good point on why the blue-white deck is so good is just the sideboard cards are absurd. And it's the same thing with the, with, the, with the Jun deck. There's just so many more sideboard cards you get to run, especially Alpine Moon and Ancient Grudge, Anger of the Gods, Full Moon Intermage. Your options are just ridiculous when you have a third color. So I, I, would, I would strongly suggest the Jun deck or the blue-white variant because white just has the best sideboard cards for your upcoming PTQ. Before we move on to standard, I did have one thing. Have you tried anything with Salty? Like playing maybe Snapcaster Mage with Assassin's Trophy? I have not yet. I haven't even seen anyone post a list of Salty yet. But I would assume that, I mean, you would assume it's good, right? Like, it's, if, you, if you have the best card in the format, just having another four copies of that seems good. Um, that, I just, that's where my head's at. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It just seems, it seems like the right thing to do. I'm just I'm wary of Sultai because again the clock is slower. You don't have Lightning Bolt. You don't have the options of having Coal against Command for grinding, and you don't have the access to Blood Braid off either. So like those kinds of things are what make me worried. All right, makes sense. Okay, now we're gonna move on to Standard. Um, so of course we've got the new Ravnica cards in here, and I know Fred, you played a pre-release, right? I did play a pre-release, and uh, I got some. I got some a little bit of insight on some of the cards in there. What do you think? Well, in standard, I played a league uh, last night. I actually stream. Uh, you can watch me at Twitch.tv/WillHeisey, um, and I streamed the league. And Fred was uh, helping me out too. And I was definitely there. <laughs> he was. He was a little bit of a delay. So sometimes Fred sees things, and then. Uh, I missed them because of the delay. But I was playing Taking Turns. Um, We're going to fix that. <laughs> did, you, uh, have you, did you play that in Old Standard at all? I just observed a lot of it. I played against it a lot. I played a lot of Black Green in the last format. Um, I did really well in, at a, uh, LP, an LTQ with it. So I'm pretty familiar with it, but I never played the I never played the Turbo Fog deck. I've played it in the past. I've played other versions of it. But, you know, not like this. and Not with an amazing card like Teferi. Right, and Teferi plus, I'm going to say it, Chemister's Insight is definitely the right way to go. I mean, last last night I was charter coursing and discarding Chemister's Insight, and that felt like the best feeling ever. I think that people are seriously missing out on Chemister's Insight in decks like that, because there's so many cards that you're going to be discarding, I mean, with charter course, and I mean, it's just a, there's just so much more fuel for that discard pile if you're able to discard Chemister's Insight. Well, and we've got Search for Escanta, so if you happen to have it on top, I mean, hey, more value. Yeah, just put it in the graveyard. You just don't need it right now. Like, Search for Escanta is one of the best cards in the format. There's no reason not to. And you can just mill Chemistry's Insight on turn three. You don't need it. Right. And I was even trying Radical Idea, which seemed to be kind of something that split people. And a lot of people had some very interesting opinions on it. Um, what do you think about Radical Idea in a deck like that? Uh, they were comparing it to a four mana opt, which I disagree. Um, there are so many lands, and you draw so many cards in the in the in the band Turbo Fog deck, and there's just so many dead cards that it makes that card a lot better. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. I think late in the game, that that deck draws so many cards, and the thing is, you need one of your four taking turns, and you have a lot of. Oh, sorry, not what is the name of that card? 
Uh, Which one? The one that takes the turn. <laughs> oh, Nexus of Fate. Nexus there we go, Nexus of Fate. So you need one of your four Nexus of Fate. And you're happy, happy to spend any number of mana, well, within reason, to get rid of one of your lands to potentially draw a Nexus. So Absolutely. I think it's a lot better than having an opt in your deck. Yeah, you, ops, it's got better reach up front. But, I mean, a lot of the time you don't really know what you need. And at the end of the game, or at nearing the end of the game when you're just trying to establish a control, you just need more cards. And the other option that people were comparing it to was Anticipate, which is the same kind of thing. You've got a lot better selection up front, but what you don't have is a way to turn those lands into relevant spells, which you used to have because the lands used to cycle. Now we don't have cycling lands, instead we've got the shock lands, and we don't have that way of turning those lands into cards. You know, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that at all when we were playing. But uh, the, the lack of the cycling land, it really makes drawing extra cards really like a detriment because like you don't have a way to turn those over. Right, which is hopefully where we uh, get the help from Chemistry's Insight and Radical Idea. But Yeah, I think Radical Idea is not as good, but I don't know how many copies of Radical Idea. Or no, the other one, Chemistry's Insight, that you could possibly run. Maybe three is too many. I don't know. Two seemed really good. I really didn't like Divination. You had Divination in there. I'm not a fan of that card when you have chemistry access to that. So I just... Going forward, I'd probably go a 2-3 split with the Chemistry's Inspite and the Radical Idea until proven wrong. Like If it comes down to where Radical Idea just isn't right and it's too much mana or whatever, I'm not opposed to stopping it, but for now it seems good. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And then the other interesting thing was I saw... Um, Brad Nelson posted a list of the Bant Nexus deck, and this was, of course, after um, after I'd played in my league, and he put the Elvish Rejuvenator in there, I believe mm-hmm. is the name of it. Um, yeah, the ramp spell. Right, exactly. The creature that can get you one land off the top, which is interesting because, believe it or not, guys, when you're playing online and you've uh, taken all the turns, you have to just kill your opponent and they don't concede. So sometimes mm-hmm. a 1-1 body is extremely helpful. I would say that's probably more valuable on Magic Online than it is in person. I don't True. know if the deck needs a ramp spell. I haven't played enough of it to know if a ramp spell... And I know it didn't play a ramp spell before, so I'm pretty sure it doesn't need one now. That's a good point. I wonder if the Elvish Rejuvenator is better than the enchantment that enchants the land, but I think that the enchantment... He had both. Yeah, that's right, and I'm wondering if we should look at the creature over the enchantment, but the enchantment works so well with Teferi because that nets mm-hmm. you extra mana that I think you can never play the deck without the enchantment. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it really works the same because you, when you're untapping with the Teferi, you're untapping with potentially four mana, mm-hmm. so that's just way better than having an extra regular basic land or any land, really. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so let's talk about this league since it's our first competitive league Uh, in the new standard. So I played against uh, blue-black, mono-green, splashing black, um, salt-eye, green-white, and um, not sure I remember the fifth one. But maybe it'll come to me. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's a nice mix um, because you've got kind of the aggro in mono-green. And so Mm -hmm. breaking that deck down is basically, it's very similar to what the deck was before. It just has that one green mana creature, which Fred is going to help me with, that increases in size whenever Pelt, you play. Pelt Collector. There we go, Pelt Collector. Um, yeah, that's correct. 
And so what do you think of Pelt Collector? I think it's a very strong card for the deck. I'm not entirely sure if that's the shell. I mean, I don't... Me, personally, I don't think that it belongs in a deck with Lane War Elf. I, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but, like, they don't really feed off each other well. So if you have just two Lane War Elves and a Pell Collector, you're kind of messing... Like, it's just not very good. You need to draw more cards in a deck like that. Or you need to have more varying costs or varying toughnesses or whatever it is. It grows by power, right? Yeah. It grows by power. So, like, you need to have more varying power. In that deck, you just have 5, 6, and 12. Like, there really, there really isn't a lot in between. And a lot of the other cards that you're bringing in, they're just not going to grow the Pell Collector as quickly as you'd want to. So I would think it would work better in, like, a Naya deck or, like, uh, or some type of green, green aggressive shell. I just don't know if... I'm not really convinced that Llanowar and Pell Collector belong in the same deck. I could be wrong. I'm willing to be, I'm willing to be convinced but I'm not convinced currently. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it looked pretty good there, um, but he was going like a nice curve of... Well, actually, it's kind of a weird curve, which is what you're talking about, where he went Lenoir Elf into Pelt Collector plus a, a two-drop, which grew yeah. it. But yeah. I don't know if, you know, if that's always going to be the case when you have... Um, like maybe a draw of Llanowar Elf and Pelt Collector, and then you don't have anything to cast for a couple of turns, and then you're just sitting with a one-one, which I guess would right. be more what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just clunky. It just it just feels clunky to me. It just feels like you'd rather have eight Pelt Collectors than you would have Llanowar Elf, or the other way around. Like it just feels like they're not really synergistic. So yeah. I don't really know. Like I said, I think it's more. I think it's better in a more aggressive deck than that. Like something paired with red. Maybe when they, when we see the Gruel come out mm. next set i think that's going to be a really busted card in a gruel shell i don't necessarily know if it's great in a black green shell because black green is just one of those decks that grinds and pal collector is not a grindy card it just it's an aggressive card it needs to be in a fast deck and black green is not that deck okay so i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's not that good right now <laughs> I, I, I could, could be wrong I did beat it, so I have that going for me, not to be results-oriented or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It really wasn't that fast in That's that true. deck. Yeah, it was more like I was afraid of the Galta that right. came down on whatever turn. You know, it was beyond, like, maybe turn six or seven because I was able to to ferry, leave up uh, Fog, or in the game two, I was able to leave up, maybe it must have been game three, leave up Lyra plus Fog, you know? Right. And that late in the game, I'm going to win. Can I say something about Lyra? That card is busted. <laughs> that card is completely insane. I, I, when you casted it, like it was probably turn six or seven. He already had a crap ton of creatures on the other side of the board. I thought you were dead. I really did. I thought you were dead. And then you, had, you top deck two fogs and then a settle. And I was like, all right, well, that's 20 damage. <laughs> Good luck killing it. And I was just like, wow, this turned around so fast. And I, I just got to say, Lyra is a great card right now. Oh, I, I agree. I did have to dodge um, Vivian. That's like the scary card coming in from Green Decks that really just mm -hmm. eats Lyra for breakfast. But if they don't have that, then you're good. The weird thing is, against a big Green Deck like that, if they have Galta, which is, to your point, if he had been more aggressive and had an earlier Galta or more pressure, Lyra doesn't do anything because it can't right. even block, really, the Galta and save you life. So. Right. But the problem was he hadn't put enough pressure on before then to uh, make it so I had to play a Lyra on turn five and then chump. So, 
Um, right. I think I think the big key there is the fact that now we're looking at Pell Collector and people are freaking out about it. It's just the shell right now is not a aggressive shell, and that card just like Ska- or uh, uh, ooze before it. You know, it needed an aggressive shell. That that deck had Lightning Helix. What else did that deck have? It, I don't even know if it had Bolt. It might not have. I'm not, I don't actually remember because I wasn't playing during Return of Ravnica. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the Ooze deck was a Naya deck, from what I remember, and it was way more aggressive than any Black Green variant I've ever seen. It just doesn't belong there, and neither does like it. And the Black Green variant, I'm pretty sure it doesn't need Land Warlock either. But again, like, it could be stepping on another limb. But you know. If you think about the black-green rock decks in Modern, or any type of black-green X variant in Modern, it doesn't play a card like Land Elf because you can't afford to go down on cards. And that's just one of those cards that makes you down a card. Because, yeah, the mana's okay, but you're sitting there with reactive cards, and a mana dork doesn't really help you do that. If you're not doing a proactive game plan, it's just not a good card for you. So again, I, I don't see that as something that a black-green deck really wants either. Okay. Yeah, uh, it makes sense, and of course it's week one, so we'll we'll see what what it goes from here. But um, at least right now, maybe it needs to have a more aggressive shell. All right, so moving right along. So one of my other matches was Salt Eye. So we just mm-hmm. add some blue to that uh, black green, but of course it's a completely different deck. Um, and this Salt Eye deck was more about recurring cards from the graveyard, milling itself, surveilling. Um, it played. The Fine Broker, which is Golgari Fine Broker, yeah, where he could recur mm-hmm. um, a permanent pick up a permanent. Yeah, and he recurred the crap out of the Plague creature, which is. Oh really? Wow. Do you okay. know what the name of that one is? Play the horse. No, Plague? the one that makes you sacrifice a creature or a planeswalker. Oh, the human. Yeah. Yep. The three-two human. Two-two human. Yeah, I don't I think it's a three. What its name is. <laughs> okay, we're not sure what its name is, but basically it's that plague creature, and it's a 3-2, and when it comes out, you have to sacrifice a creature or a planeswalker, and if you can't, then you discard a card, and right. it's pretty good against Turbo Fog, not gonna lie. Um, yeah, plague, plague Crafter is his name. Plague that's Crafter. what it is, that's right. I knew I, I believed in you, Fred, and you got us there, so... <laughs> I always come through. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, so, like, I leave up, I play Teferi, I plus, I have a flop. I'm like, okay, my Teferi's gonna survive, unless he has a Frasca's Contempt. He turns around and plays a 3-2 creature that kills my Teferi. My Fog is absolutely useless. And then I'm like, okay, he can't have that many in his deck. He plays Find, gets it back from his graveyard, casts it again, Mm -hmm. and so then I'm now watching to make sure that I have a turn to be able to take, um, at the same time as playing Teferi. You know, because yeah, otherwise... That's, that's going to be hard. Right, exactly. So you have that's to an wait... an awkward amount of pressure. You have to wait to a weird later game, even though you know mm-hmm. that they have the potential to draw more Vraska's Contempts, just because you have to make sure you can take the turn, the same turn you play the Teferi, so that you mm-hmm. can have all of your mana and all of your resources to hopefully go infinite turns the same turn you play the Teferi. Yeah, that means end up ending up having ten access to 10 mana. Which could be as early as turn eight, I believe, because you have two. If you have two copies of the gift, you can get there in turn eight. But right. still, that's a long time. A very, very long, long time, time against a deck. But when he's keeping up four mana to be able to instant speed try to get rid of a Teferi, you know mm-hmm. he's not applying pressure. So that's where I was able sure. to win that game one. That's a tough game one. It tough really one. is. 
and but and then what we were talking about uh, actually before the cast guys is the blue black creature um thief of sanity that card yep. is really 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 good yeah it's certainly underrated like we i guess we can kind of waltz right into that in, in, a, in a minute but uh that card it is very powerful it, it's it's so much better than what's the old one what do they keep comparing it to it's a it's a creature that was in the Night, black green nightvale specter nightvale specter that's correct Woo-hoo, i did specter. one guys <laughs> you did you did uh the nightvale specter that thing only exiled one card this card mills you three and you get to pick the best one is that correct that's, am i reading that right uh, i believe it's yeah yeah that's correct you look at three pick one mill the other one. you look at three and pick one that is so absurdly better than Nightfall Spectre. I don't care if you don't get a land. This thing, you you look at the top three cards of your opponent's library and you get to cast one of them if it survives? That is absolutely absurd. That thing went coast to coast from 20 damage down to two and he didn't even <laughs> use any of Will's cards in a game. That was absolutely absurd. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually just... He had 12 cards exiled. <laughs> I got milled out. I, I'm going to be real with you guys. I have one card left in my deck... I was at two life, and so I was going to die to attacks, but he didn't even need to kill me with attacks because I got milled out by this stupid card. I mean, I didn't know that it said look at the top three cards. I thought it just said take one, just like Nightmare Spectre. But this thing is way better than that thing is. The only problem with this card is that I think it's only going to see sideboard play because of, I think that dead weight is going to be a huge player in this format, and this thing just dies to dead weight, which is not very good. I think so, if you're playing any deck... <clears throat> Like, against any deck with removal, it's a must-kill, but it's not that great unless, you know, it's playing something that maybe is lighter on removal and also trying to go late, which Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of, but it is a house against the decks that are trying to do, like, maybe attack on a different axis because they might not have ways of actually dealing with this specific threat easily. The other nice thing is... You can play it, then you leave up counter magic for the rest of the game while it just eats away at your opponent's library. Right, and I mean, let me take a step back. Look at this art. I mean, if you guys are not seeing this thing, it looks awesome. Like <laughs> it, is, it is literally flying around with a freaking. It is cool looking, man. You guys should check it out. But this card is really underrated. I think that it's going to be a major player. Um, okay, so then the other deck I played against was oh blue black, which we've basically covered with uh the game came down to thief of sanity um post board and of course disinformation which is pretty insane in that deck and i don't know if it was just the deck i was playing that it was really good against but just two for wanting me every other turn um because of course that card just gets put on the battlefield they get to draw i have to discard and then they counter my next spell which then allows them to surveil which then brings it back to their hand, and they rinse and repeat. Yeah, this card, uh, I mean, going over it, I mean, it costs three mana, it's an enchantment. It enters the battlefield, it already does a job, it makes your opponent discard a card, and you draw a card, and then whenever you get to Seville, you get to bring it back to your hand for free. I mean, that's a really great trigger, especially when there's so many things in the format that causes, I mean, in this set that causes Surveil action to occur. I mean, there's a lot of cards where Surveil is just printed on there, and this card could be a house there. The interesting thing is there's this weird tension in the blue-black list that have been going around because they're playing uh, counterspells because it has the Chevelle mechanic and also this. So you have this weird tension of 
do I tap out on turn three to play this? Am I going to get punished by a turn four play? You know, that type of a, a, a going back and forth. Yeah, I think that uh, the tension there is going to end up being the death of the stack. It just doesn't have the it doesn't have the amount of pressure or the amount of control that you want. It's like a weird middle of that, which just doesn't feel good. I mean, if it was block constructed like it used to be back in the day, this would be a sweet deck, and I think it would be great. But the fact that there's other sets in this format, it's just it's going to get overpowered really quickly. So you think that it won't be, like, mid-range, like, that won't be successful, kind of like the blue-black deck of last format? There's not enough card draw. I mean, I, I was listening to, not only, I'm not going to plug another podcast here, but I was listening to the Goldfish podcast about three weeks ago, and they were talking about preliminary testing with uh, that new, uh, this one escapes me because I haven't seen it in a while, but it's the new uh, draw spell, the split card. I forgot what it's called. Um, I'm trying to find it here. I don't Not remember the name of it, but it's... it's uh, it could be it. I don't remember the name of the spell exactly. But it's a split card. It's got kind of a weird back end to it. I'm not really sure what the back end is, because I don't think it even matters. But, uh, oh, here we go. Discovery Disposal. That's the one. Where uh, <clears throat> its front half is like a... Is Surveil, surveil 2, then draw a card for 2 mana? And then the back half is like each opponent returns a non-land permanent they control to their, with the lowest, highest converted mana cost among permanents they control to their owner's hand, and then they discard a card. So its back half's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that purpose is going to be doing. But the front half, surveil two, draw a card for two, seems really good. It's just not the It's not enough gas. It's just not enough for two mana. You know what I mean? When you have opt at one mana, you have the other one that flashes back for for the same amount of mana. I mean, you're going down a card there, but you're also going down a card you don't need. So I, it's more selection. The black spells just they don't they don't feel really good to me. And and you don't think notion is that what it's called? Notion rain will get them there. The blue black three. It's like the new read the bones. Yeah, that card's really strong. I think it's a control card. I don't know if there's enough to play blue black control. If there's an esper control list, it's definitely playing it. I would I would assume that there is. Alright, I take that back. If there's a tap-out control deck that comes out, that will be in it. If it's uh, not a tap-out deck, if it's more of a blue-blight control deck where it's more of tap-out on your opponent's turn kind of thing, it will never show up there. But if it's a blue-black mid-range deck that requires card draw, that'll be it. That makes sense. This, this, yeah, like If you remember playing like in uh, Theros Standard, there was a black-white devotion deck that was trying to like toe the line between Mono black devotion and having enough interaction for mono blue or mono blue devotion. It was like a middle ground deck. It played read the bones, and if that kind of deck shows up, that uncommon would be really good. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then of course I played against green white. I didn't get a great game against green white because in the middle of game one, he basically just conceded the match. So um, I don't think he liked playing against taking turns very much. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that matchup because I didn't really play a lot of it. It feels like if they can get an instant... It it feels very favored towards taking turns because even if they instant speed make a bunch of tokens on my end step, I can still fog it. Um, right. The only it concern just... is playing uh, Conclave Tribunal, I think is the name of the enchantment that removes a permanent. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my card's really strong. Yeah, and if that takes a Teferi, uh, <laughs> that can be really rough. But other than that, I think that the matchup's pretty good. Uh, but that deck seems pretty powerful. I think that the two decks are fighting on two different axes. Like, the Fog deck and the Go-Wide Creature deck, I mean... <laughs> You got. You're gonna pick a, a deck to win that. You're gonna pick the Turbo Fog deck every time. There's no reason the Turbo Fog deck should lose to a slow go wide deck. But I think it's well positioned in the format. I think it's really good against the other decks in the format. I just don't think it's good against Turbo Fog. Yeah, I actually I, think it has a good matchup against Blue White too, with the instant speed card at the end and a turn put in a bunch of dudes. That that's a sweet card. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's what's gonna carry it to victory. I also think it's probably got a good matchup against the blue-black deck, because we were wondering, like, wow, with it doing all this, like, making me discard and all that stuff, and that just loses to something that goes wide. There aren't a lot of great sweepers that just cover everything. Well, there is, but I think they're very slow. Like, there's there's a Cleansing Nova, which is fantastic, and the new black one that destroys all creatures can very mana cost three or less in oh, black. Yeah. That hits a so lot that of, does exist. It does exist, you're right. It, and, and it hits a lot of what they're trying to do. The nice thing is, if they tap out for that, then you instant speed in tokens, and then you're back in yeah, business. So it's not really, yeah, it's not really that good. Ritual of Soot is the name of the card. Oh yes, yes. Um, all right, so I guess we've kind of covered your league. What do you think about cards that aren't people aren't talking about from Turnaround that are doing really well? You think? Well, my pick for uh, an underrated card that yes, people covered it in pre-release, but nobody's just like, oh my god, this card is overperformed is Thief of Sanity. I know we got into mm-hmm. it earlier, but man, when they played that card, I was afraid. Um, it's just like very, very good, and the fact that I got milled out, and he had his pick of my counterspells, my planeswalkers, uh, I just felt like I couldn't couldn't come back from that. It was a huge deficit, and he didn't even use it. That was the crazy part. That he had the amount of, the amount of card advantage he had, he didn't even have to use it. Because it just killed you by itself. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the result of the of the Turbo Fog deck not being able to control that card. Maybe our cyborg is building correctly because we need, maybe we need to play for that card. All I know is the deck was not prepared for that for that threat. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. What's your pick? My pick it's it's no one has talked about this card. I saw it in limited a little bit, but man, Charnel Troll. It's a four four for three, going Golgari colors. This thing is huge. Like, I don't understand. Like This thing is gigantic. It is a 4-4 trampler. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, you get a plus one, plus one counter on it. And it also fuels itself by you can pay you can pay to discard a creature and put another counter on it. So this thing has a potential to be a 6-6 or a 7-7 on turn 4. Because you, you put the trigger on the stack, the upkeep trigger. You put the upkeep trigger on the stack. It says, it doesn't say target, so you just exile a creature card. So the trigger is on the stack. You could discard a card from your hand, possibly two cards from your hand. Make this a six-six and attack with six-six trampler in turn four. Uh, I mean, I, I would I would say that that's a huge clock, and I don't really know what else is bigger than this card on turn three. It's just it's the biggest creature on the board. Yeah, when you told me it was only three mana, uh, I was starting to see what what you're saying. It's definitely a big threat that I don't want to play against, which means it's probably not half bad. Right, I mean, it's in the same colors as Assassin's Trophy. You got a really strong base for that, just like the deck I was trying to tell, like talk about earlier. Maybe a black green kind of mid rangey deck that's not really relying on land werewolf, but more relies on 
maybe more of a graveyard synergy, but maybe a self graveyard synergy. Not really like in creature form. Maybe in like uh, I don't know. The, the best graveyard filling cards are the uncommon, the three one glow spore shaman, and the uh, the stitcher supplier. Those are the three, the two best filler cards for the graveyard. But you might not even need it. You just might need more creatures in your deck that are powerful that you can discard to this thing. Because you just put the trigger on the stack, you don't have to have a full graveyard. All you have to do is have a creature in hand. You untap, you t- you pay two mana, discard your card, trigger resolves, it gets exiled, and now you have a six six. Like I mean, I'd say that's pretty good. Well, and I think that it might work well with something <clears throat> like the three mana plague creature that makes you sacrifice. A, you have to also sacrifice a creature, so you could sacrifice itself, and then there's more fodder in the graveyard for when you do play your troll to exile as well. You know, I didn't even think of that, but that's actually a really straight, really great interaction. Yeah. All right. So the other thing we want to do is we've picked our card that maybe nobody's talking about, or at least something that we need to hype a little bit more because it's it's pretty great. Oh no, what's your flop for the new set? Oh boy, flop for the new set. It's got to be ionize this this counter spell. It's just it's not very good. Requiring red mana and a counter spell is, is really not good in general. Dealing two damage to that player's controller, it doesn't deal damage to planeswalkers. It's not an under it's not like you can hit it to fairy with this. It's just counterspell, deal two damage to your opponent. I mean the other one, um, I don't exactly know the name of it, excuse me right now. Uh, Sinister Sabotage. That effect is so much better than two damage, it's not even fair. And having two mana two blue mana requirement is not a big deal. Iona is not gonna see any play. Alright. Um, well that I mean yeah, I, I guess, like, requiring you to have to play red, and it's an effect that's not actually that great, because control decks aren't typically trying to just kill you very quickly. You know, I played against yeah. a blue-red deck, a, a blue-red control deck last night at, in, like, a queue, and they were playing things like Ral and the new Planeswalker, and then also it's a two-sided card. It's got red-red-blue-blue-X, and it deals X damage to target, and then you draw X cards. So yeah, that's ex, uh, expulsion, expansion, explosion. There we go. Yeah, expansion, explosion. So that card seemed okay, and I guess it's kind of like a draw to blue-red, but just being able to uh, filter through your draws with a, a different con- uh, counterspell seems better to me than dealing the two damage. It's just, it falls in a really weird spot. Like, a tempo deck doesn't want to play that, because it costs three mana, and a control deck doesn't want to play it because the secondary effect isn't very good. So it's like in a weird middle where it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and then my pick for flop for the new set I think has to be Mission Briefing. I'm not really sure. Everybody was talking about this being like the next Snapcaster without a body, but I just don't see it ever being good in standard. You know, I, I think that... For that type of effect, you've got all these other options that recur cards from your graveyard if you're using, like, Golgari Fine Broker, or if you need to use, like, Chemister's Insight to discard a card from your hand to redo that effect, that I think recasting an instant or a sorcery from the graveyard just isn't something that we're, we're needing. And then it's a ton of mana, too. Adding two blue mana onto a spell that you want is, is not an easy cost. I mean, it really. I think. I think it really depends on how important surveil is to the format. If surveil is a huge, huge thing for the format, mission briefing is going to be great. 
if mission if surveil is not good and not important, it's not gonna it's not gonna do very much. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. It's I guess if you get to surveil, pick up your disinformation and recast something, then you know another Vraska's contempt might not be too bad. But yeah, exactly. But if this, I mean, there's there's situations where you just need another Vraska's contempt, and there it is. That's true. That's what that's what basically torrential Gearhulk said last form. It was target uh, Vraska's contempt and recast it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I just think that if Surveil is important to the format, Mission Briefing will be okay. If it's not, just like you said, it's going to be terrible. All right, so based on all of this, our first couple of matches with New Standard, what are you picking for uh, playing at least for your Week 1 tournaments? This weekend we've got, on Saturday, a PTQ and Magic Online, and what's your recommendation for people trying to qualify for the Pro Tour in that tournament? I am picking Blue White Control for that tournament for this weekend. The red decks are very strong, very fast, but they're all relying on one creature or one or two creatures, not a huge swarm. And that gives you plenty of time to use something like Settle Records or Cleansing Nova to get rid of that. So the Blue White Control deck playing 25 to 27 lands, Teferi as a 4 of, lots of counter spells, Seal Away as a 4 of. With an aggressive sideboard plan, including something like History of Benalia and Mystic Archaeologist, those cards in the sideboard are really great for the control mirror, and they're just going to have a great main deck game one against the aggressive decks. All right, that's interesting. You know, there's a blue-white control deck that 5-0'd already, so at least there's some precedent for that being a, a good choice for the weekend. Um, we'll have to try it, hopefully, in, in a, another league. Um, and then my pick, of course, is going to be Bant Nexus. It performed well last night, and I would say that you you would be safe with it unless everybody starts picking up these blue-black decks. If there's a lot of Thieves of Insanity running around, I'm not recommending it. I take it back. Don't do it. It's a mistake. <laughs> but if you're playing I mean, against... I just... Okay, go ahead. Oh, well, I think that if we had the sideboard build to cover that, it would have been okay. Like, I think a card like... Seal away could go in the Turbo Fog sideboard for stuff like that. I don't even think it's bad against blue, blue red aggro or what? Or not blue red aggro, red white aggro. I think it's a fine card to have there. So I think that maybe we could just work the sideboard over a little bit. Maybe include some type of aggressive removal like a seal away to you know play against that. So I think that there's a way to make it work. That makes sense. I mean, at least it gives me a little hope. I think to. Um, in that matchup, we there was a lot of debate over whether or not I bring in Cleansing Nova. And the more I thought about it, it's like they're playing all these other enchantments. They've got Argyle's Bloodfast and Disinformation and potentially um, maybe Search for Escanta. Well. Yeah. So then you've got that plus the fact that you may just want to wipe away two um, Thieves of Sanity or maybe a Thief of Sanity and some other creature that they're playing. Um, Mystic Archaeologist out of the sideboard, that card's going to be really busted. Yeah, that's uh, something that I was really excited to actually play. Mystical, is it Mystic Archaeologist? Mystic Archaeologist. Yeah, yep. Mystic Archaeologist. That's the two mana, two one that lets you pay five mana to get uh, two, to draw two more cards. I mean, that card's pretty good. Except when your opponent attacks you with a Thief of Sanity and plays your own Mystic Archaeologist, which sucks. <laughs> Granted, I'll give you that. <laughs> when it gets stolen from you and then cast it against you and then they draw two cards off of it, not so good. Yeah, that's <laughs> not pretty so rough. Good. 
But anyways, my pick for this weekend, definitely Bant Nexus. I think it's really good against all those aggressive decks. You've got the Boros aggressive decks, the Mono Green, the Mono Red, um, and whatever else. Everybody always says, play aggressive decks week one. And I think that Bant Nexus is a really good counter to that. I would agree. I think this is one of the format, the first formats in a long standard time and standard that aggressive decks just aren't the best in week one. Perfect. Well, that's what I like to hear since I like playing other things other than aggressive decks. Um, all right, guys. Well, this has been a great podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, we'll hopefully be doing this again soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And good luck in all of your Magic Online tournaments. Thanks for listening, everybody.